This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to artist and activist Molly Crabapple. She's going to be speaking about the raids taking place in Exarchia. Exarchia is the stronghold of the militant anarchists in Greece, in Athens. They've basically been fighting with the police trying to stop them doing these raids, but the police have been sent in by the new government, are raiding all the squats where they look after refugees and basically run their own little autonomous commune. Molly was there recently, she's going to be telling us what's going on and why the government is suddenly deciding now to crack down on Exarchia. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front and you want the bonus episodes, please support at patreon.com slash popularfront. Firstly, I think maybe the best thing to do will be to describe exactly what Exarchia is, you know, the history of the place and how it's become this, you know, basically an anarchist uh, community within the middle of Athens. Yeah, so Exarchia is a neighbourhood about a mile from Syntagma Square, you know, the capital of Athens. Mm. It's a neighborhood of you know, cafes, shops, mad graffiti, zero cops up until recently. And it's a neighborhood that's defined by its leftist anarchist history. Um, it's the sort of place where there's a squatted park called Navarino Park that, you know, anarchists basically came in with um, what do you call it? Sled jackhammers and tore mm-hmm. up and tore up the pavement and like planted gardens. Right. It's the sort of place where you see graffiti in English, Greek and Arabic that says uh, Greeks and foreigners. We live together. We work together and we beat up Nazis together. It's I don't know. I, I called it like the island of misfit toys, you know, the anarchist, uh, like the one place that I've ever been to where for a while at least you know anarchy worked yeah and i think i personally just want to point out here for a lot of our american listeners who perhaps are not as aware of the like european anarchist like militant scene um to to say that like how do i put this look like basically the anarchists that are in exarchia are not the same as for example the antifa you might see running around fighting proud boys or whatever like that's no disrespect to anyone on any side i don't give a fuck i'm just saying like these for example like these guys have murdered people like you know like there was a drug dealer um was uh habibi they called him was you know flooding the scene flooding the area with heroin so one of the anarchist groups shot him in the head and killed him to say like, hey, you don't bring heroin in our neighborhood. So just to give you an idea, this is a very, like a very interesting space. Like you said, they do all this stuff where they're, you know, replanting gardens and doing food outreach, but they're also shooting drug dealers and fighting with the police as well. Yeah, I mean, the the history of like anarchism in Greece and the history of leftism in Greece, it's very different than it is in America. You know, um, there was a military junta in Greece and the sort of leftist history comes out of armed anti, anti-military dictatorship protesters, you know, both like the communist strains and the anarchist strains. And, you know, whether or not like groups are actually armed, because like most anarchist groups are not actually armed, there's still an idea that there is, you know, this, this history of like really militant action. Um, the thing about Exarchia that is kind of, for me, so fascinating, though, is Exarchia is both a place that yeah, there are like really militant anarchists that if you came into that neighborhood and you were a fascist or you, you know, were a, a perhaps were a drug dealer at a certain point, though there's plenty of drug dealers there. Yeah, but, you know, they, there is no. 
yeah, I know, unfortunately there is now, but in general, you know, it's like, there's a very militant anarchist presence that like will beat people up. But on the other hand, I'm also like a tiny person and I hang out in Exarchia all the time, you know, eating delicious food at delightful cafes. Yeah, yeah, like me, like when I'm there, like they want to punch you in the head because I don't like journalists. But when I've not got a camera, it's a fucking fun place to be, you know, like it's a nice place, good food, all independent businesses. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the history of, you know, the situation with the Polytechnic and all of that that's kind of right in the centre. Yeah, sure. So uh, part of what makes Exarchia like Exarchia is uh, the Polytechnic University is like, I don't know, five minute walk from Exarchia Square. And it is this like totally graffiti bedecked university where, uh, you know, the group Ravinikos like took over an office for a while. Um, the Ravinikos is like a leftist group that does pretty lunatic pranks. And how would, would you describe it like that, Jake? I feel like you can't say Ravinikos. It's not like a, what would you call it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they throw like red paint on the, you know, Russian embassy. But anyway, so it's a, it's this university that's, completely covered in graffiti, you know, has various parts of it that are squatted, has crazy concerts there. And this university has been kind of a hotbed of leftist politics since 1973, uh, when there was a student uprising against the military dictatorship, and they actually like brought in, you know, tanks there. And it, you know, that uprising was something that helped bring down the dictatorship. And, you know, ever since then, Exarchia has been the center for this type of resistance. Right. Um, so for years, the anarchists have basically had control over the area. You know, we've both been there. It's mad. They do. The police kind of are just on the outskirts. They don't really come in unless it's to fight with the anarchists who obviously fight with them and what have you. Um, but what's happening now? You know, you wrote this piece for The New Yorker recently where there were raids going on. Airbnb is trying to gentrify the whole place. Basically, you know, Exarchia is under threat. What's going on? So there's three different dynamics that are going on. Uh, the first is that... Anywhere in the world, if you have a gorgeous, graffiti-bedecked, artist-filled neighborhood with lots of cool cafes and bookstores, what happens? It gets gentrified immediately. And Exarchia has been getting progressively more hipster and expensive. There's like a CBD store near the square now. Uh, there's a huge like, sort of influx of Airbnbs uh, and a lot of community resistance to that. Lots of like Airbnb tourist fuck-off graffiti everywhere. Uh, so, you know, you had you had that sort of thing. Like a lot of my friends, you know, couldn't rent an Exarchia because it's too expensive now. Then the other thing that happened, and this has happened with a lot of anarchist places around the world, is that uh, very often when you don't have cops in a place, uh, you have a lot of drug dealers. And so the square in Exarchia has increasingly just been filled with drug dealers from all around the world, making it like, I mean, it's not a danger it's not necessarily a dangerous place to go through, but it's not a cool place to go through. It's definitely a place like you would get hassled and people would be constantly trying to foist some like cheap crap uh, Coke on you. Well, I was there about two years ago and it was, there was definitely yeah, yeah. certain areas where it's very heavy. It was like, boss, you want Coke, heroin? Like, no, mate, fuck off. Like, do you know what I mean? It was everywhere on every corner. Exactly. Like, especially, you know, like me, like if I would go through the square, like everyone would be hassling me at night. And that's that's not cool at all. And if you stayed mm. up, if you stayed at the hotel near the square, you would, you know, hear people yeah. fighting at like 3 a.m. Um, and the anarchists like really tried to stop this. Uh, as you said, like there was a guy who was murdered. There are also uh, raids on places where drug dealers hung out. There were like people beaten up. There are anarchists. Um, you know, or even at one point, like kind of trying to search people's bags. Uh, but this sort of like increased, you know, 
drug presence in the square, it gave an excuse for uh, the new government to crack down on exarchia. Um, as a bit of backstory, last summer, um, the uh, previous uh, Suriza government called snap elections and they got their asses completely kicked. And uh, the New Democracy uh, Party uh, totally won. And um, the government is now pretty, I'd say it's like completely dominated by New Democracy. And who, who's New Democracy? Sorry, because I know Suriza was the previous one or however you say it. And they, you know, ostensibly this left wing group, but they didn't do a lot. They did a lot of crap to be honest so the new new democracy are considered right wing or center right or who are they so new democracy used to be like kind of like the center right party i i hate uh, this impulse to like compare everything to united states politics but like they used to be kind of like republicans mm. but um with uh, the uh, neo-nazi party golden dawn getting uh, completely crushed after they they murdered a greek guy once once that happened and that party was like totally crushed the overflow of Nazis kind of glommed on to new democracy. And there are, uh, you know, there are ministers in the new democracy government right now who are not center right. They are hard right figures that used to like beat up leftist students and chase them with axes and who used to like run anti-Semitic publishing houses. So it's like, I would say that it's a hard right wing government, but one that like wears suits and speaks with good grammar. Right. And I think we should point out here as well, when we're saying like Golden Dawn neo-Nazi, they are neo-Nazi. This is serious. Like they fucking murdered people with Pavlos, right? That's who you're talking about, yeah. the rapper. Like, yes, yeah. yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. Killer P. And so, yeah. So you're basically saying that some of these militants just swap the jackboots for like, I don't know. S shoes basically yeah yeah exactly like the agriculture minister was such a fucking um anti-semite that he had to like issue a phony apology to israel because they wouldn't they wouldn't uh they didn't want to deal with greece because he was such a piece of shit so that wow. that's that's the that's the sort of like person that's glommed on to them um also uh the new democracy government it's like pretty dominated by um you know several families uh one of them is um the, Mitsot the mitsotakis family uh the prime minister right now, uh, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, uh, his dad was the pre was a previous, you know, prime minister, and his uh, son-in-law is, um, I'm sorry, his nephew is the mayor of Athens, who's Bakoyanis, and um, this family has a an actual beef with Exarchia, which is that um, Kostas Bakoyanis's dad, uh, Pavlos Bakoyanis, was killed by a left-wing terrorist group that was founded in Exarchia. Uh, N17. Um, yes. And um, so the, so they view this neighborhood, like they don't just want to crack down on this neighborhood because like it's cool to gentrify or because there's drugs there. This is actually like a neighborhood where there's a long-standing beef. And pretty much as soon as a new democracy came to power in Greece, they announced the idea of like cleaning up Exarchia quote unquote, as major plank of their platform. And they immediately started doing these really, really violent uh, pre-dawn raids on uh, squats that were in and around the neighborhood. And like, I just want to give a background on like what squatting, what squats are like in Greece, because they're a little bit different than other places. Uh, Greece has like a really, you know, old, good squatting movement. Um, some some of the places are like really really nice and you would like want nothing but to party in them and they have like really cool circus shows some of them are are not cool but they just have like you know a tradition of doing these squats squats that you'll see in this country 
uh, people will stay there for a few weeks and they're just shithole. Like, these are not that kind of squats. These are just places that have been turned into people's homes that just so happen to have been appropriated from wherever. They're just not, they're not asking, they're taking the buildings. Like, they're beautiful, some of them. They look like the nicest front room you can imagine. You know what I mean? Oh my God, they're fucking paradises. Yeah. I, like, and, and there's like squatted theaters. The last time I was there, I, I saw this like, gorgeous you know cabaret show with these like beautiful female singers i mean these places they're they're amazing right and then in 2015 after there started to be the mass arrival of refugees the squatting movement started uh, taking over buildings and creating homes for refugees in them uh, there were like a number of really well-known places uh, the first squat was the notara 26 squat but um, probably the best one was a place called City Plaza. And City Plaza, it was this hotel where the owner had been completely bankrupt and she had like stiffed her workers on um, their back wages. And so the workers uh, got in touch with some, um, you know, some migrant activists. They broke open the locks together and they uh, turned this, this hotel that had been closed into a home for hundreds of refugee families. And City Plaza was amazing. I mean, they had like a kitchen that was like run by old, you know, old Afghan ladies and it's like delicious. You know, they had a clinic that the kids were all, all in school. The kids all got vaccinated. And um, most importantly, like people had homes that were dignified. The camps in Greece, in my opinion, are worse than anything that I've seen in like Iraq. They're the, especially on the islands, like the level of just like squalor and the refugee camp yeah the refugee yeah, camps. I've heard this yeah. from loads of people have said the same thing i snuck in in to the camp in samos in 2016 when, when it was way better than it is now and it was like it was so crowded that you just had people sleeping rough outside you know this place mm. where it snows in the winter it's, it's horrible so instead of people being stuck in this like literal hell people were staying in hotel rooms with their families <laughs> Um, it was also a place that was interesting because it had a really hardcore behavioral code. Uh, so if you were like sexist or, you know, said racial slurs to people or like sexually harassed people or like beat your wife, you were out of there. And I think that that was something really important to making it like the really nice place it was. It's a place that I hung out a fair amount of time in. Yeah, I, th I think we should say as well, like it sounds like we're fucking like you know, the tourist board for Exarchia, but it's not even that. I think the point is people really need to understand this place worked. Like, sure, there was a lot of bad elements, blah, blah, but like this was not just, hey, we're some mad anarchists, smash the wall, here's an abandoned shelter to live in. It's like, no, this was an actual community. Like you said, they were doing, you know, unofficial governments, not, you know, outside of the government, they were doing unofficial schools. The people were eating well, they're living well, and there were rules, right? It's like, this isn't, you know, people always get this stupid idea, like, well, anarchism, what's that anarchy? Like, no, it's, it's not the definition of the word anarchy. Like, there were rules. You can't just come in and do what you want. Like, people had to respect the way things were going. Exactly. I mean, it was... It was a place that in defiance of everything, people from really different backgrounds, people that were poor, people that were like really traumatized that had been through some shit, people who might not even, you know, speak the same language, right, had found a way to live together and to make something beautiful together. And for me, that's why I always supported Exarchia. And also these were people who are, you know, there, there isn't like some wonderful, like, big daddy state that's going to take care of people right and provide refugees with a lovely place to stay there um greece is a country that has been just like 
pounded by the EU and pounded by austerity. It's a country mm. where, like, you know, at the end of the month, you see old people begging because their pensions are too small. It's a country where, you know, ref the refugee camps are like some of the worst on earth. And so for me, the anarchists in Exarchia and the anarchists in other parts of Greece were really people who were doing something very, very necessary. They were taking responsibility uh, for themselves and each other where the state had failed. Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't as well, I know for a fact that it wasn't like, hey, come here, like read, read all this anarchist literature, read Nesta Magna. It wasn't like that. It was like, no, like you can come here and that was it. It wasn't like people trying to indoctrinate anybody. You know, all different kind of political ideologies were there but it was run by the anarchists. Exactly. So tell us more about these raids. What, how did these start and what exactly do the raids entail? I know you met some people that were taken away in them. The raids started this this past summer. There have been like a few raids under the Syriza government. Like, so Syriza was, did not do a good job, but I think that their sins were largely through being ineffectual rather than being malicious. Uh, but there had been a few raids under them, but mostly they had kind of just looked the other way. And um, even a few places, they like let them have power and water. Right. But in the summer, what they started doing was they started going into these squats. Um, and remember, these are places where like families live and like kids. Right. So they go into these squats. They bust in, in like before dawn. They stick guns in people's faces. They load them all onto a bus. They, uh, you know, throw out all of their things. Like there is an Afghan dude I met, uh, Walid, who told me he like heard them breaking down the door. And so, you know, he fled out the window and he hid because he didn't have papers. And he told me that all his money that he had left in the room was gone. Uh, his laptop, you know, was destroyed. He lost all his clothing, you know. I mean, these are people, you know, these people live in these squats for years, right? These are people's homes. Mm. And so they threw out everyone's stuff. They loaded everyone that they caught who wasn't able to flee into buses. They stuck them in a police station. Uh, people who didn't have papers, you know, and didn't have like an, what they would consider a legit asylum claim, they uh, would stick them into detention centers. People who, um, you know, were like like a Syrian person, for instance, um, you know, maybe an Afghan, they would um, stick them into these camps that were really far out of the city. And these camps, I mean, just to give you an idea, there is a camp in Corinth. I, I wasn't able to visit it, but there's lots of pictures on social media. It was just like, you know, those sort of tents you have at a festival, just these sort of tents in the mud. Right. For a whole family, kids, everything. Exactly. No heating, you know, no place to get food, just the middle of nowhere. Right. Like people were trying to, you know, like hitch back to back to Athens. So they just like totally destroyed these people's lives um, and also, you know, took the kids out of school, everything like that. And then, you know, for people who were able to flee, right, they just ended up homeless and on the streets if they weren't lucky enough to have some, you know, Greek friends to take them in. So what do you think is the, the new, new democracy's uh, main goal with this? Because to me, I just think like, no matter what you think about the refugee situation, it seems to me that they would have probably been better off just leaving them there in Exarchia and just leaving it alone. You know what I mean? But now they've got homeless refugees. They've got people again back in the camps, which you all know are overflowing. Like, what do you think is their main goal? Is it because of this this kind of long history of uh, you know resentment towards the area, like you said before? I think there's a few thing things. I think one thing is just the complete desire to break something that's an alternative. There's like a certain narrative of how things are supposed to go, right? Uh, you know. I, I hate to use like the old jargony, right? But like a neoliberal narrative where there's supposed to be like business and there's supposed to be order and you're supposed to like work and and um, 
especially large companies dominating everything. And Exarchia kind of flies in the face of that. And I think that there's this real desire to get rid of that and to say, no, it can't work. No, we destroy it. Um, I mean, there's something to me like very, very vindictive about it. I mean, another thing was that in uh, you know Greek media, Exarchia is constantly uh, referred to as like a no-go zone, you know? There's like Chinese tourists down there every week. Like, it's not a no-go zone at all. Like an Airbnb tour where you can go to all the dessert shops. I mean, wow. it's ridiculous. But if you if you look at like Greek media, they use uh, this this word. I'm forgetting what it was. My friend, my friend, my Greek friend translated it for me. But it's what you use like the, to describe the places in like Mount Athos where women aren't allowed to go. Like, mm. like it is like a, a no-go zone. And a lot of greek people because of that they think like exarchia is this like really really scary place where you know you can't go unless you're like i don't know a terrorist or something or a drug dealer like they literally think that like if you were going to exarchia you'd have a molotov cocktail hitting you in the head in five seconds well we should talk about that though because let's be honest there is a huge i mean whatever you want to call it with that the anarchists are constantly fighting with the police you know i covered it and it's fucking chaos like these kids were turning, they were like improvising small camping stoves and basically turning them into like IEDs. Like it was really mad, you know, and throwing them at the cops. Like there is constant clashes, right? Absolutely. No, 100%. I mean, there's like small weekly clashes, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, very often over like pretty senseless shit. And then there's like the yearly clashes, right? Like, um, you know, for the anniversary of the murder of Alexandros Grigorapoulos, there's usually like a massive battle between, um, you know, anarchist protesters and the police. Yeah, and that that was, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, that was a young boy. He was uh, he was actually, like, pretty middle-class kid. He was coming from the suburbs to hang out, and he was, like, a young anarchist, was uh, basically shot dead by police. But it wasn't even, like, he didn't accidentally get shot. Like, the kid was pretty much hunted and shot, right? Yeah, I mean, to, to give you an idea of, like, how little doubt there was Greek courts convicted those police of murder. Yeah, which is rare, right, for the Greek court to go against yeah. the police, yeah. Yeah, anyone that's been, uh, you know, lucky enough to deal with the Greek police, you will, <laughs> you know, you'll know what they're like. But, um, so yeah, so so what's the situation now, Molly, in uh, Exarchia? Well, right now the situation in Exarchia is a little bit like it is everywhere, which is that we're all trapped in our own homes and not allowed to leave and, like, going slowly mad, right? Mm. Um, I mean... The new, the only new development that I know of is about three days ago, police um, raided Polytechnic and they dragged out, you know, a bunch of immigrants that were squatting there and put them on buses. I mean, just like the cruelty and stupidity of this. You have um, a disease that can only be fought, right, by staying inside, you know, by quarantining yourself. And you have people that are staying inside. And then you have police dragging them out. And putting them in these like overcrowded, you know, detention centers or camps, which are the easiest place in the world for something like Corona to spread, you know, but it's just this sort of like the the cruelty is the point. Right. Uh, And I think the thing that's really scary for a lot of activists, you know, in Athens and frankly, like a lot of activists around the world is that everything that we know how to do in the face of crisis involves being together you know, uh, marching, meeting, you know, just like being with your friends, right, and talking. And the virus requires us to not do any of that. It requires us all to isolate ourselves from each other. It's like 
solidarity at this time actually means being apart from each other, you know, so we don't infect anyone. Yeah, it's a very, very weird situation. Like, it's unlike anything, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, in our lifetimes, it's just it's something else, man. I mean, even, you know, talking to my grandparents, they're like, nah, <laughs> never seen anything like this. It's very weird. Um, what, what, what I am wondering, though, what are the police, you know, so, you know, the police said... What I find, it's a kind of a weird one. It's kind of ironic, but it's kind of a catch-22. So the police have said, like, the drug dealing problem is getting out of control in Exarchia. Now, I'm I'm personally very against, I don't, you know, I'm from an area where there's a lot of drug dealers. I fucking hate them, you know, and I don't believe in this. Oh, you know, they're just a product of their society. No, they prey on the most weak people and they destroy communities. So I understand the government saying, like, hey, we have to get rid of them. However... The reason, from what I've understood, and I've done quite a lot of research on these groups, the reason they seem to be getting quite out of control is because the most militant anarchist groups, you know, not just the little kids running around with Molotovs, like the militant groups like CCF and the other people who are like, you know, shooting, you know, they've got weapons, they've got machine guns and they're throwing grenades and stuff. Those guys kind of kept them in check. Now they're all in prison, which obviously the government can't just let them run around doing that. But now it's like the almost it's almost perfect for the government now that the drug the drug groups are out of control. Do you know what I mean? Like what what is the government doing then? You know, rather than just getting rid of these refugees. Nothing <laughs> okay, there we go. Seriously. Like 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 you have all of these math guys, right, in like riot gear, you know, looking like Robocop, standing on circling exarchia, hassling girls essentially. And then you have a square where anyone can see who is the drug dealer in the square because they are the person offering you weed. There is zero to prevent those like cops from arresting drug dealers. Nothing. They just don't. They just instead are raiding squats full of ladies and kids. So the drug, the, the the drug problem just continues. I mean, I don't know how it is now. Um, I don't, I don't know how you, how you have, how you um, make Exarchia Square into an open air drug market with the quarantine. Uh, but when I was last there, which was a few months ago, yeah, it was just continuing. I mean, they, and they're not doing anything about it. I, I don't think that arresting drug dealers in Exarchia Square is a serious problem with the government. And I think if they actually wanted to, they would do something about it, but they don't. And what, what's the plan then with the refugees? I mean, just bussing them out of Athens and then like leaving them somewhere, it seems mad. I mean, I think the idea is to put them in such miserable conditions that they agree to, um, you know, to accept a deportation flight home. I also oh, think... Surprised. I mean, I also have always thought, and, you know, this is my own theory. I don't have, you know, some, like, signed EU document, mm -hmm. obviously. But I've always thought that part of um, the EU's and Greece's motivation for having these camps be so miserable is that they want people to text their relatives and say them, tell them, like, don't come. Right. It's, uh, like, a fear. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I mean, it's horrible, but it would work. Yeah, they're, they're just... I mean, these, these camps are fucking hellish. And um, there's... It's just such like a self-created problem, like the idea of like forcing people to stay on these islands that have, you know, very few people living on them. Right. Um, and then putting them in these living conditions where they're they just like, you know, can't wash regularly. Right. Um, where they don't have like a bed to sleep on, where it's just like so miserable and forcing them to live there for months or years like that. It you know, it, it immiserates people, right? It makes them look like pathetic and sick and desperate and disgusting. It forces them into that position. Um, and I think it makes them like almost like perfect objects of like fear and hate, you know? Mm. So what is the, uh, the 
public reaction to the raids on Exarchia? Because I know that a lot of people there, they might not like the clashes, but I've certainly spoke to people that are like, yeah, we really appreciate Exarchia, we love it. And I'm not even talking about leftists or anarchists, just people that like it, you know what I mean? I mean, what's the reaction? I mean, for people in the neighborhood, obviously, they hate they hate them, right? Um, mm. A lot of other people, though, um, they bought into the media narrative that Exarchia is a hellhole of drugs and depravity and Molotov cocktails. But then there were other things. Like, there was a, another raid in another neighborhood um, on a squat, and the police wanted to go into, like, an adjoining home. Um, and the owner of that home uh, was a pretty well-known director, and he was, like, pretty center-right, actually. He wasn't, you know, a leftist at all. But he asked the police, you know, can you, like, show me a warrant before you go into my home? And the police, like, beat up his son. They tied up the director. They pulled his, like, shirt over his, like, head, like a hood, you know, like Abu Ghraib or something. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, tied him up. And they, this was, like, you know, photographed and televised. And then they, they charged him. And that, I think, was something that really terrified people because this guy wasn't an anarchist. He was not a young man. He was like a pretty prominent, you know, respectable guy. And still the police uh, did that sort of violent crap against him. Yeah, well, um, I mean, again, Greek police can be fucking violent, man. Um, why, why is it then do you think that people voted for new democracy, you know, like a right-wing government after having the ostensibly left-wing government of Syriza, like, why was it? Just because Syriza was so shit or what? I think that Syriza really failed on so many of its mandates. Syriza, they did a referendum, right, to, um, you know, see if they should say uh, yes or no to, um, you know, the EU bailout austerity and people voted for them to say no and then they crumbled i mean when you do something like that like people are going to feel really betrayed at you um i also think that like those camps new democracy did not start those camps syriza started those camps mm. you know um and that's that is a horror and a failure that syriza has to own and um but i think primarily it was syriza's really weak inadequate uh, handling of um of the bailout and austerity i mean greece has just been like persecuted by the eu and just financially bled dry it's it's really tragic how many like especially like older you know people who worked their whole lives have been reduced to you know complete impoverishment and i think uh people were desperate and they wanted something different and I mean, that's what new democracy was. Yeah, like I really hate, I've seen people try to demonize, you know, act like, oh, all Greeks are right wing and everyone's golden dawn, oh, the new democracy oh, thing. Bullshit. It's bullshit, right? Like it's such a demonizing way to look at it. Like you said, people are just sick of, like sick of one thing. So they go for another thing, you know, people are not stupid. They they vote in favor of how their life is going to go, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that Syriza did a huge... They, Syriza did something horrible to, to the left by failing in the way that they did. And I don't know if they could have succeeded. I don't know if um, the EU was just too strong, right? I'm not an economist. You know, I, I won't pretend that I know, like, exactly, like, the economic way to deal with, you know, the EU. But I the betrayal that people felt, I mean, is, is so real. And, no, Greeks, Greeks are some of the best people I ever met in my life. Anyone who says all Greek people are Nazis is a fucking jackass and never went there. Yeah, no, I definitely. I love it. I absolutely love it there, man. Uh, as well, I think that Syriza's problem with, you know, they were very pally with like N17 people. You know, we mentioned this uh, very hardcore leftist militant group from what, the 80s? Yeah. 
Yeah, like they were quite pally with them, right? They let a few people out. They, I don't know. It just seemed to rub people up the wrong way. I mean, N17, they, what they kill? Like 23 people? I forget yeah. how many. I, I would be um, bloviating if I said that I knew the details about anything with Syriza and N17. But I know that um, Syriza was really demonized in the press for... Um, quote unquote, like tolerating exarchia. And like, even if you read like Ikata Marini or something, they always like try to, you know, draw this like line, like Syriza and exarchia, which is like kind of funny because most anarchists really don't like Syriza at all. Hate them. <laughs> Fucking hate them. Yeah. <laughs> Load them. Like, I can't even think of, you know, two two groups that are um, more like oil and water. Yeah, they put all their pals in prison as well. Yeah. Okay, Molly, um, is there anything else you think we should mention before we wrap this up? I guess what I want what I want to say about, you know, exarchia and um, again, I always sound like slightly like a, a dozy romantic when I talk about it. But, you know, sometimes when everything is failing, right, when there's no fucking money, when, um, you know, a lot of people are being driven from their homes by war, when there's just like a lot of really like broke, traumatized, you know, uprooted people, things like this where people are trying to build the world themselves with their own hands, they're worth supporting and they're worth fighting for, even if um, they have a, a lot of flaws and even if there's a lot of you know, idiocy sometimes. So I guess like my hope is just that after we're finally allowed to emerge from our houses and you know go back into the world and see each other, I hope that Exarchia can you know still be alive. Yeah, no, definitely. I do as well. I mean, no matter what you think politically, it's it's one of the most fascinating places I've ever been to. And by and large, it, it does work. There's a lot of it that definitely does work. And I think you were right earlier. It's almost like people just can't allow for something else to work. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Because if something else works, then that's a challenge. Then it's like, why do we have to live in this way where we work at shitty jobs, producing nothing, don't see like any of our friends and family, and... Our cities are eaten by glass towers and chain stores. Yeah. But then also, you know, I'm glad we don't have uh, Molotovs flying over the house every night. <laughs> like you do in Exarchia, but, you, you know, you, you give and take. Yeah, I give and take. Yeah. Okay, Molly, um, where can people uh, find you online, you know, social media, all of that? Uh, they could find me at uh, Twitter, Molly Crabapple, and my website is mollycrabapple.com. And if they want to see the New Yorker article I wrote in Exarchia, um, just Google Molly Crabapple, uh, New Yorker, Exarchia, and they could they could read all of all of my research. Yeah, no, definitely. I think people should as well. It's a really interesting piece. Um, thank you very much, Molly. I really appreciate that. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That was Molly Crabapple talking about the raids on Exarchia the anarchist stronghold in Athens. Do check Molly out, she's a very talented artist. Uh, she's got a lot going on, very interesting. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us. There's loads of bonus episodes. I think we've done like 52 now. There's two to three bonus episodes every single month. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash popular front. It's just $5 for the bonus episodes. We really need all the support we can get in these weird times of uh, coronavirus. Everybody does, definitely. So, yeah, patreon.com slash popular front. And shout out to the Discord as well. Like, watch this gang. There's a massive community we have, um, and everyone is being very supportive whilst on lockdown and going through all this madness. It's really nice to see. Um, this episode was sponsored by the defensepost.com, defense with an S. 
Go there for regular updates on the world in conflict. Also sponsored by Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. Uh, they're an independent coffee shop selling only fair trade products. Go and see them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue, 97239. Uh, tell them Popular Front sent you. They are open, I think, right now. They might be closed, actually, due to uh, coronavirus. But they have been supporting their staff. Um, they're not one of these bullshit corporates where it's like, yeah, see you later. Now you die because you can't make any money. Now you lose your house. I know I've spoken to the owner and they're supporting their staff through all of this, which is excellent, very commendable. Um, also, this episode is sponsored by Black Triangle. They're an independent coffee. No, they're not. <laughs> they're an independent company manufacturing their own low-key self-defense tools. Uh, check them out on Instagram at Black Triangle Group or their website, blktriangle.com. Uh, tell them Popular Front sent you. Um, thank you very much to them. They're donating some of their self-defense tools to the Popular Front raffle, which is coming up. So let me explain that. I mean, you might not have bothered to listen to the PSA. I can't blame you. I looked at it. It was like eight minutes. Like, what the fuck am I talking for eight minutes about it for? I should have got to the point. Anyway, so we're doing this uh, Popular Front raffle. Basically, obviously, coronavirus has just gone bonkers. And, you know, people like me that are young and not, you know, don't have any particular underlying health issues, only mental health issues, that's the ones, the only problems I have. Um, but, you know, people like us, we, we're going to be all right. But it's not about that. There's a lot of people that are very vulnerable. There's old people. There's homeless people. It's, it's bad. You know, it's going to be bad for a lot of them. Now, in my country, at least, the government has not done really anything to say what they're going to do about the homeless situation. There's not a lot being done for the elderly, to be honest. Like, I know where I live, some local businesses, uh, independent businesses have all come together and are, like, delivering free food to the older older people in, in our town, which is, you know, amazing. But the government really needs to already be stepping in, and they're not. So, I mean, we can't do a lot, but I, thought, I feel like the, the popular front ethos of, like, helping each other out, not being twats, I thought, let's try and help. So, we're getting loads of cool shit together. A lot of people that are related to Popular Front, you know, in our kind of network, what have you, are donating cool shit. So, like I said, Black Triangle has given us some of their tools. We've got the guy, the drummer from Fallout Boy, um, absolute top lad. Thank you very much. He is, uh, Hurley, he is sending um, a signed symbol. So, you know, Fallout Boy drummer signed symbol, like, that's cool as fuck. That's going to be in the raffle. Um, loads of the propaganda posters from Propagandopolis. You might know him from Instagram. Uh, what else? What else? Like loads of popular front merch. Uh, we got um, some Bakelite magazines, which are going to be going in it. You know, kind of cool popular front shit. I'm going to put some flags in. Uh, man, there's Robert Evans from the Behind the Bastards podcast is going to, you know, donate one of his uh, ornamental machetes. I don't, I don't know how we're going to make that work. I might have to do. I might have to tell him to get something else, but you know, so everyone's getting involved. It's very cool. Celebrities have contacted me like, hey, like we listen to it, want to add this stuff to it. Like that's really fucking cool because a lot of celebrities in a minute are like just singing, doing like singing videos and like from their lovely mansions and being like, good luck world. Like, nah, fuck them. Like, but anyway, shout out to the fucking health workers as well, though. They're the real celebrities of our times right now. Um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, the raffle will be launching in April. I've said on the PSA, but if you couldn't bother to listen to it, like I said, don't blame you. Uh, just email patrick at hanrahan.tv with pictures if you have anything you want to add to the raffle. Please don't direct message me, mate. My, I can't. I, I don't look at half of that. I just can't, man, because I'd never get any work done. 
Um, not being a dickhead, but do you know what I mean? Like, please just send it to that email. It will be sorted by someone. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you've got any cool shit you want to add to the raffle, uh, there's a lot of photojournalists have added like prints, all sorts of cool shit. So just let us know. Like I said, it has to all be sorted by April. But uh, in April we'll be launching this raffle. Um, oh fuck me, I didn't even mean to cheat. I'm an asshole. So. <laughs> once, once everyone is in at the raffle and all the money is gathered, someone will win. It will be totally random. Someone will win all of this cool stuff. And all of the money, 100% of the money, will be donated to uh, homeless charities trying to help with the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. And also to uh, charities that are helping, you know, lonely, elderly people. Because like I said, the most vulnerable people right now, let's do something cool. Let's do something nice for people. Why not? Fuck it. It's not a lot of effort. Um, let's just do it. You know, I think everyone should be trying to do something. So that's what we're going to do. Anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, as usual, uh, follow us on Instagram. A lot of the announcements will come there. So, uh, Instagram.com slash popular.front. Uh, YouTube, you know, watch all our docs whilst you're on lockdown. YouTube.com slash popularfront. Or now, if you go, uh, if you go to uh, www.popularfront.tv, you'll get, it's just a redirect. It will eventually have a proper website. I was planning on doing all that this year, like Popular Front TV, lots more docs. But Corona has fucked everything. All the plans are down the pan. A lot of money lost. <laughs> Don't worry, keep it moving. It's a fucking nightmare. But anyway, yeah, popularfront.tv. Right now, we'll just read directly to the website. If all this stuff gets handled, there will be like a proper, proper series. There will be like Popular Front doc series. But uh, in the meantime, it's just the ones we've got on the YouTube. Um... Uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash popularfrontco and my Twitter is jake underscore hanrahan h-a-n-r-a-h-a-n bit weird at the minute because people are like asking me stuff about uh, corona and I'm like mate honestly like I'm not the guy to ask I'll be honest with you because I don't know fuck all about medical stuff I've been reading every day um, about all of this including reading the conspiracy theories I think it's important to do that because you need to see where people's heads are at because unfortunately a lot of people are susceptible to conspiracy theories so my point is please do not send me that video of tanks being you know or apcs being escorted somewhere on the m25 in the uk and go jake is this real mate it's not real relax okay it's not real i know it's like scary times but just relax everything's like you know moving at a steady pace i think you know the the virus is obviously out of control but don't need to panic yet don't panic don't panic um yeah uh also um do check out the new podcast from robert evans if you're you know if you listen to this show i don't want to say i was gonna say if you're a fan of this show i don't like that the idea of being a fan of popular front like if you like popular front you know i feel, i hate that i feel like you think you're someone else when you're like oh if you're a fan anyway if you like popular front you probably know about behind the bastards a uh, good podcast by my mate uh, robert evans me and him were in Syria last year, in northeast Syrian Rajaba, the Kurdish areas, making a documentary. Um, you know, I was helping Robert produce it. He's the host of it uh, with Habat Abbas, like the best fixer in Rajava. All, all three of us basically made this doc. Uh, also, Alan as well. Shout out to the driver. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible without him. Excellent driver. Uh, anyway, so yeah, if you go uh, on, um, why well, search on wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for the Women's War. That's the title he gave it. It's going to be very cool. It's about the females of Rajava fighting on the front lines and outside of the front lines. So also about the society and how, you know, Rajava is actually is actually real. Like there's a lot of people will be like, oh, it's not even real. They don't let women fight. Really, it's just propaganda. Absolute bullshit. There are whole battalions on the front. The um, 
commander of Raqqa, the Raqqa operations woman, like you will all know that anyway. But not a lot is said about the women off the front line because women are playing a major role in the society there as well. Uh, if you're the kind of person that has a problem with, you know, like women doing stuff, probably give it a miss because you're a cunt. Otherwise, check out the women's war. Uh, definitely, it is. But Robert's put a trailer. I've heard the first episode. I think it's very good. Um, I wasn't involved in any of the post-production, but Robert smashed it, as far as I can tell. So it's cool, man. Uh, the Women's War. Search for it. Subscribe to it. This isn't a paid sponsorship. <laughs> this is just, you know, I was a part of it, and I think it's going to be good. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Patreon. Shout out to our top-tier Patreons. Thank you very much to Adam Berg Snyder, Amy Rupert, Andrew Hurley. Axel Iverson, Azad, Bill Wilson, Brian McLaughlin, Trey Nance, Chad Walker, Charlie, Chris, Cusimano. Uh, sorry if I've said that wrong, mate. Uh, new new top tier, and I'm not sure if that's how you say it, mate. If I've said it wrong, please do correct me. Uh, Christina Rivetti, Christopher Martin, Craig Miller, DR, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, Diana Gorvenek, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Frank Austin, Greg H, James from the Discord, aka I Hate Centrists, his foot here, Janet Basurto, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Josh, Jungle King Virapan, K. Hardy Roberts, <coughs> Lawrence Abrahams, Ludwig Chodzko Zachko, I'm really sorry if I've said that wrong, um, Michael Brachetti, Moritz Zumbwal, Ari from the Discord, Olin Thorne, Patrick Bronte. Hope you're good, mate. Get in touch uh, if you're about. I know uh, Patrick Bronte is uh, paraplegic. Uh, he's a good friend of the podcast. Anyway, like people like Patrick are people that we really need to look out for right now in times of coronavirus. Um, Peter McCormick uh, from Defiance and What Bitcoin Did, doing great work. Cubal Rubicon, Ryan Sandercock, Scartoon Music. Sebastian from the Discord, Sarushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Tom Lochrin, Tony Bin, and Vida Provost. Thank you all very much. Music in this episode the intro was by Home, and the outro was by Son of Old Sam Black. Uh, find his music at samblackpf.com and tell him make loads of cool beats whilst on lockdown, please, mate. Tuck.